So you know, I'm looking at this and I'm, this idea of um, starting this new year, this opportunity before us. And I mean, I do think of the new year as a gift. I think of it as a new opportunity to launch things and to correct things. And, it, and it's true. I, I know we're almost a month into it, a little over three weeks. But, you know, I like to think of the whole month uh, as an opportunity, an opening number, you know, uh, 31 days to set our sail. And I really want us to set our sail in the right direction. And I want us to really look at this as a, as a month that sort of sets the tone for the rest of the year. I know there's a lot of stuff in a year we can't predict. I get that. There's no way. We're not God. We can't see around the corner. We don't even know what the next day brings, good or bad. That's why we need to walk with humility. I think we understand that. But having said that, there are things we can be attentive to that will either help us move forward, position us for things with the Lord, or, you know, uh, can set us back. And so what I'm hoping and believing for is that this will be a little brief time that we're sharing that will help us think a little bit about some things as we're building our lives and trying to follow Christ. And so I think if we could start by looking at a little tiny parable, it's from Matthew 13. In the chapter of Matthew 13, there's all kinds of stories. A parable is a story that Jesus gave to illustrate spiritual truth. There's a little one there. It's in the handout. I'm also going to have them put it up on the overhead as well. He said to them, therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is new and old. Now, again, it's tiny, but he's getting at something. He's talking about this life in the kingdom, this life with Jesus, him. And he's saying that it's to be constructed of things old and new. And there's a lot of nuances contextually to this piece. And we could spend a lot of time just with it. But the way I want to look at it is as this, this sense of the Lord wants to do, wants us to do some things in our lives. He has old things he wants to rekindle. And he has new things he wants to release. He wants us to be able to bring out of our treasure, out of our collection. Think of a collection. People love to collect things. Some of us have things that we've collected. And every now and then, we have someone over and we show them our, our collection. And we might, it might be pictures. It might be something else that we are involved in, whatever. The fact is, we're proud of it. In a lot of times, why do we collect things? Where did it even come from? How does, what are we as human beings? Why do we like to do that? Um, there are times where we, if we find someone is really interested, it brings us sort of pleasure to share that. And here's, Jesus is kind of connecting with that idea that a person's really excited about their, the, his, the interest of those who have come, and he wants them to see, look at this old, he has old pieces and he has new pieces. And he wants them, and that is really good for us because a lot of times we forget, you know, when we think about the scriptures, you know, God has these, I like to say it like this, he has for us old experiences and new observations that he wants to work in our lives, ancient moorings and new learnings. We want to be able to hold on to the core principles of what Jesus taught us, what the scriptures teach us. At the same token, we want to be able to apply them in fresh new ways. We want to be able to study the Bible for what it is in and of itself. At the same time, we want it to become alive in our lives in such a way that we can apply it to the everydayness of our lives, to the real problems that we face. Um, God wants us to be able to use his words, both ancient and new, to be able to represent him well in the midst of a culture that oftentimes mitigates against, you know, having an understanding of what it means to build our lives around the teachings of Jesus. And I, all I'm saying is, remember we talked about the last opening weeks, we 
talked about a holy life, a called life, a transformed life. Romans 12, do not be conformed to this world, shaped or molded or confined by its way of thinking about things, but learn to be a countercultural thinker. Learn to live against the grain a little bit. Do not be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We talked about that, the power of having his word in our lives and knowing and understanding it. The reason we talk about getting involved in a Bible group or continuing to learn and grow in, in our understanding of the scriptures is because they provide a tremendous foundation for us. So we want to be able to hold on to those things. If we don't know what we believe, any way will do. But if we do know, we have a good sense of what the scriptures teach. It gives us a foundational point. That's like an old treasure to me. But then there's also the idea of new things, new treasures. God wants to be able to take his words and apply them in fresh new ways. As I was thinking about it, you know, we're moving into these opening weeks, three weeks. Along the way, there might be certain things that God is saying, I need you to also adjust. There might be some things that the Lord is, is wanting us to remember. There might be some things that along the way, our, God was tugging at our hearts to give attention to. And one of, I think, the purposes of this sharing is, is to sort of remind us to go back in, in these past few weeks that we've opened up our year with and say, what has the Lord been trying to tell me? And how have I been responding to that? How we respond is actually a big deal. It matters. There's this classic passage in the book of James. It's in your handout. You can see the piece. I want to read it. Look what it says. It says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, what a, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and you don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself. You walk away. And then you forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law, that is God's word, and you, it will set you free. And if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for it. And again, initially, this passage clearly is about responsiveness. It's not just about hearing God's word, but about implementing and doing it. But it, it's also a perfect passage for our series because it reminds us if we are to watch out, we should be watching out for our very real tendency to get excited about something, to get convicted about something, to get motivated about something, to be moved by something. We, something captures, captures our interests, stirs us emotionally, intellectually, spiritually maybe. But then we, okay, I'll use an example. Perhaps the last few weeks, something, God stirred something. We felt his touch. We felt like maybe I should get involved in a group. Maybe I should think about making this little shift. Maybe the Lord is trying to say this to me. We feel something. We sense his God. Maybe this is how he wants me to be in this situation. But we walk out the doors, and an hour later, we're already on to something else, and we forgot what we actually saw in the mirror. Or the next day, it's behind us. It's lost something. James is talking about the value of sustaining our awareness. He's talking about keep, you know, one of the, one of the look, he says, if you look carefully, if you focus and do, and don't forget, then God will bless you for it. One of the keys for growth and for prevailing and for progressing is to act on our awareness. It's really important because a lot of times, one of the main things the Bible has a lot to say about is it constantly is telling, you'll read it. If you read it, remember, 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 don't forget. Why? Because it's in us to do it. We get emotionally moved. 
or we get stirred, but we don't follow through on the good intentions. And it's better to have one or two things that in this season of our life, let's just call it the first part of this year, maybe even, a seasonal sense of what God wants us to pursue with a degree of intention, than a lot of good ideas, but we don't do any of them. But it would be better to do one thing, make one small adjustment, correct one habit, make one responsive movement towards what the Lord is putting in our heart. Because a lot of times it's the action that creates the movement that opens up new things. I always talk about the breakdown that leads to the breakthrough, that leads to the breakout. So I've learned that even things that aren't going our way can be beneficial to us if we're willing to respond to what God might be prompting us to do. So here's the question. What are some of the new things that God wants to do and establish in us? Are there things he wants to heal? <sighs> Perhaps some of us this year is to be a year of healing. A year in which God, they called Jesus the great physician. He would go places no one else could go. He saw things no one else saw. Little things that everybody missed, he saw it. He heals, he still does. He knows us. He knows us better than we know ourselves. Oh, does he know us better than we know ourselves? And maybe perhaps some, for some of us, it's a year of healing. Maybe there's something we've carried too far, too long. The problem with some things is they, they can get infected or they can kind of linger. And the Lord, you know, I'm, I believe the Lord wants some things to actually, scars are okay. It's the open wound that keeps getting affected. That's the problem. And his grace wants to come in and heal some things. Some of us, this is to be a year of healing. For others of us, this is going to be a year where God actually wants to do even other types of things. I mean, there are, there are things that I was just jotting in my mind. I was writing things down. I was thinking about it. For some of us, there are things that he wants us to have established in us for the first time like areas of strength in our lives where we've always been vulnerable in this area of our lives and we haven't been able to get ourselves out of this, almost conceding that this is always how it's going to be for me. I'm kind of ashamed of it. I don't want to talk about it, but I feel like I'm, I just can't get out. And God maybe is saying, I want to establish some things in your life this year. This is a year of growth. This is a year of breakthrough. This is a year of moving forward in areas that in the past we haven't. I'm just saying, God, there are times where the Lord is wanting to do things and, and in us and he wants to work his purposes in us. There are areas where you say, you know what, this is your time, to, and this is going to be a theme of what we're sharing. This is your time to upgrade in this area. You're living below where you've, you, you have, this is, this is not what I really want for you. You're settling for so much less. Playing it too safe. Pursuing the wrong things. I have better for you. Come on. So I was thinking about this verse because it meant something to me. I, coming out of the, the year that I had, which was a little challenging in most of the years that I've had, and there was this one verse. Certain verses meant more to me this year than other verses. There's this one passage from Isaiah. I want to have them put it up. You can see it. Behold, I will do a new thing. This, is, by the way, this could be a word for someone here as well. A word within the word. I always call that the word that's for us within the word. Behold, I will do a new thing, and, and, and now it will spring forth. Do you not know it? Shall you not know it? And then I love the way it's captured, right? 
I will even make a road in the wilderness and a river in the desert, a road and a river, a road in the wilderness, a new thing. I will show you the way. I will show you the way through this wilderness. The wilderness times in our lives when things don't make sense, when it's hard to figure out what's the best way for me here. I'm, I don't know how to get through this. Can't see the mark. I lost my path. You know, am I going to be stuck here forever? I will show you the way. I will make a road for you in the wilderness. I will show you the way out. That's powerful. It's powerful. I will make a road for you in the wilderness. The wilderness is a place of desolation. It's when we feel like we can't, can't get our footing. We, we, we just kind of feel lost. Sometimes it's very lonely there. Those are lonely places. I will show you the way. And look what he says. Shall it, I will give you a, a river in the desert. What is that? That, that speaks of like refreshing in the, midst of, in the midst of something that's really hard. I think of the desert. I think of the heat. Things die in the desert. Things die in the desert. There's no water in the desert. Things die in the desert. But you know what the Lord would even say to us? Unless a seed falls into the ground and dies... It abides alone, but if it, if it does die, it brings forth fruit. He was talking about himself, but he was talking about a principle as well. What things does God want to die so that other things can live? And in my mind, the Lord is always working with us. There's a river and there's a road. There's something he's trying to do. There's a way for us. There's a, a river also speaks of refreshing. And for some of us, this is to be a season of refreshing as we shift our focus. A road speaks of direction, a way for us to go. A river speaks of refreshing, a new life flow. The Lord is in it. Out of your innermost being, Jesus said, will flow rivers of water. Right? That, these are promises for us. So this New Year's opportunity, you know, again, I've been, we've been thinking about it. I've got a couple of things I want to share with you and, and have us just sit with together. And I'm going to use little just little phrases to sort of set it up, but hopefully we think about it. How can we seize the opportunity that is before us? How can we respond to the promptings that the Lord is trying to get us to pay attention to? The first thing I want to say is for some of us, God is calling us to, number one, get unstuck. And we can get stuck. It's easy to get stuck. It's like we get ourselves going in the same thing and we start to find out Spiritually speaking, we get into this groove. We start getting in, going through the motions. Um, if we're not careful, we start living on autopilot. That can happen in life, true, right? We cruise control. We're numb. We're caught in a routine. Uh, we lose our passion. We get depleted. We get weary. We get worn. I don't, I don't know, uninspired. We get stuck in a rut. You want to know what a rut looks like? Here it is. This is what a rut looks like. There it is. Old stuck car there. You get stuck in a groove, don't you? We get stuck in a rut. Can't get out, going nowhere fast, <laughs> just stuck. You know what a definition of rut is? Check this out. First one's obvious. It goes with that picture. A long, deep track made by repeated passing of the wheels of a vehicle. But look at the second one. Pattern of behavior that's become dull, but is hard to change. I'm reminded of what Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1, 6 and 7, also in your hand out there. God wants us sometimes to stir things up. He says, stir up the gift that is within you. 
Stir it up. And then he says, Timothy, who clearly was someone struggling with fear. Timothy, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of soundness of mind. Sometimes we lack the power. Our fears are too powerful. But God has not given you that spirit of fear. He's given you the spirit of power. He's given you the spirit of love. Perfect love casts out all fear. When we're afraid, something in us is disconnected with the love of God. Because when we really understand that our life is in his hands and he loves us and, he's, and we are secure in that love, then it will challenge the things that terrorize us. And I give you the promise, he says, God is not giving you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of soundness of mind. How much of our struggle is in our mind? How much of the stuff that we get paralyzed is in our mind? The promise of Jesus uh, is that he, care, he will give us soundness of mind. God wants to give us clarity, the ability to move through things. I mean, that's part of his promise, right? So God wants us to be able to do that. God wants us to be able to get unstuck with things. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me. Learn of me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Come on. You walk with me. I carry the heavy load. You carry the little one. We'll walk together. You're not alone. I love you. I'm with you. I mean, these are good words. But there are times when God wants us to stir things up because we're getting stuck. We're getting stagnant. Hmm. Secondly, Sometimes it's time to get unstuck. For some of us, it's going to be the time. We need, by the way, on the unstuck part, that may look like us making some intentional shifts. I think I probably need to say something about that real quick. Maybe we need to take a little bit of a fast on something. Could be food. Could be technology. Could be entertainment. Could something. Could be a shift that we need to make. We sense, God, you know what, maybe for a period of time, I'm going to... I'm going to hold off on this. I think I'm too, I'm too just like bound to it. Maybe I just need to sit with you in a different way right now. Maybe I need to mix up the way I've been actually responding. Maybe I get into a new group. Maybe I need to get into a different group or a little shift of, of a ministry. Or maybe I need to get involved for the first time. Maybe, you know, maybe I need to do something different. Maybe do a little spiritual cross training. A little mixing up of that muscle memory, right? so that I can have something that tweaks it out a little bit different, create some new life flow. Otherwise, you can't get stuck. You know, habits are good. You know habits? Actually, habit saves us mental energy. That's why we use, do them. Once we learn something, our mind sort of shifts into auto, kind of like it's a habit we drive. We don't think, we don't have to like, every time we do something, if we had to think about it really intensely, we'd like burn out. Right? It was like, whoa, you know, I got to get up. Oh, you know, I got to go to the car. Oh, you know, we like burn out. And, and so the body and the way we're constructed, it, that we, after time, the way we act, we, there are certain things we just do them. We're not thinking about it. And that's pretty good. And good habits are great. Bad habits aren't. But there is a tendency sometimes, if spiritually speaking, we can get ourselves stuck in that rut. And we start to just kind of go through the motions and... and Something that was meant to bring vitality becomes habitual to an extent that it almost becomes ritualistic and it loses something of its potency in our life. What it was meant to do, and that's why we have to periodically change things up, periodically relook at maybe even opening up some new relationships, friendships, right? Because what will happen is it creates airflow, it creates space for God to do new things. And that's really important. So, okay, number one, 
Get unstuck. Number two, get serious. Now, what I'm about to say probably isn't going to necessarily, you know, seem so serious, but actually, I'll tell you in a moment. Remember, I've been talking a little bit about Rocky lately, right? Some of them in the last couple of weeks. Um, I went and saw that movie Creed. And by the way, it's a pretty good, uh, Rocky, well, I call him Rocky, Sylvester Stallone just won a Golden Globe for his role. That was pretty good. He was a good, good film. And that, I remember I was telling my son about it because it was like the 40-year anniversary of the original one. I said, yeah, so that was a really good movie. And so my son Jacob, he got all excited about Rocky. And he's very persuasive. And so he goes, Dad, I recorded them all, right? He goes, every one of them. Rocky, one, two, three. So he had them all down. He goes, you want to watch them? We're going to watch them. We're going to watch them together. No, we're going to watch them all together, Dad. I said, I didn't even know there was a Rocky five and six, right? And, uh, and there's a reason, by the way. Um, having said that, actually, at least for the first three, God actually spoke to me in Rocky, of all places, right? Rocky won. Sometimes, sometimes surviving is victory. Sometimes God just wants us to give, give our best. You ain't going to get a rematch. I don't want one, right? <laughs> Surviving victory. Remember I talked about Rocky II. His eyes damaged. He's got a spot. His vision is impaired. And his trainer, Mickey, you got a blind spot, remember? <laughs> he had to, said, you're going you're gonna to have to learn how to compensate for your blind spot. You're going to have to use a different style and technique. We all have blind spots. When we see them, God wants us to adjust. There is a way to do it. Rocky III, he got soft. He's like got all, he started winning. He became the champion. He started doing all the commercials. Got all, he lost his edge. And of course, that's the song, The Eye of the Tiger, right? You got to get the eye of the tiger. But, then, but, but his, basically he's told, if you don't, if you don't, look, you got soft. You're taking it too easy. You're not paying attention. This guy that you're about to fight, he's got the eye. You don't. He's going to kill you. You don't want to get in the ring with that guy. He's got what you used to have. He's all in. And you're playing it soft. There's something there. I'm telling you, Rocky has things to teach us. He <laughs> does. Oh, and by the way, while I'm on the subject, <laughs> Creed has this moment where he thinks, Rocky does, he points back and he says, you know, my best days are all behind me. And in some ways, he's right. He goes, you see those, see those pictures on the wall back there? There's a bunch of old fighters, most of them dead. He goes, that's kind of me. And the young fighter, who he start, who's Apollo Creed's son, he he starts working with him, and there's this moment. It's a beautiful moment. I'm not giving away the film, all right? <laughs> but he walks out there. And he's he, he, the the kid says he's got a shot at the champion, being a champion, a championship match. He's never seen what he's about to experience. It's like overwhelming. And there's this moment where he's got to walk through this dark hall, and then it opens up, right? But he's walking alone. And, and one of the things is, Rocky puts his hand, he walks with him, 
because he has seen it before. I've been there. Steady, son. It's okay. It's going to be fine. And they walk through it. And again, that walk, we all need mentors. Some of us are meant to be, we, we think our days are behind us, but we have tremendous value. In it. And there are people who can benefit from things we've been able to walk through. And there are others of us who we need those people in our lives. Because there are things we haven't seen yet. And wisdom is allowing those two to come together. Get serious. I was thinking about that. I was thinking about how a lot of times, when the most, there's probably nobody more committed, serious, if we can put it this way, and we're talking about our tendency to get sloppy and get distracted and our, how our effort can dwindle. One of the amazing things about Paul, the Apostle Paul, he, and I suppose this is true, I guess it's true of most great athletes, great artists, great achievers, there's this capacity for an extended time of creative activity that can be sustained for long periods of time. That's why a lot of people make it to the Hall of Fame or win, because a lot of times it's their capacity to sustain creativity for long periods of time. And if you do something long enough, you know, you're going you're gonna to get some type of reward typically or some acknowledgement. Paul, he said, I don't care about temporal acknowledgements, temporal crowns. He goes, I'm, I'm more interested in eternal things. And then, look at, this will be the last passage we, we look at. Look what he wrote in Philippians 3. He said, um, not that I've already attained or I'm already perfected. I don't have all this down. Someone has said, well, you've achieved something. I haven't achieved nothing. But I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus laid hold of me. He touched my life for a purpose. And I want to fulfill the purpose that he touched my life for. That should be the quest of every one of us. Behold, brethren, I, I do not, I do not, my brothers and sisters, count myself to have apprehended. No, this one thing I do. I'm forgetting those things which are behind. I'm reaching forward to those things which are ahead. And I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That's a man on fire. That's a man intense. That's a man all in. About a month ago, uh, our youngest son graduated. Uh, he, had, he, he graduated from uh, the university he was attending Biola, Biblical Institute of Los Angeles. And that's a really good, it's a good uh, Christian liberal arts university. And uh, we, my wife and I, Cheryl, and uh, Jake's grandparents, Donna and Diane, we all went there along with other families. We flew down and, and we wanted to be there to mark that moment, celebrate with him. And uh, it was in an auditorium and we were there with, you know, lots of other families and friends uh, who wanted to also celebrate. You know, I went to three graduation ceremonies and there's something about a graduation ceremony that it, there's, there's an acknowledgement of something that's been accomplished, but there's also this sense of hopefulness, especially when it's a high school or a college graduation or something that has to do with an achieving something of a degree, there's this, always this sense of what is ahead of you, right? There's this like, we, you did something amazing and we want to be here to celebrate that, but we also, we also are thinking about what's ahead. There's, there it is again, the old and the new, right? And so it's not unusual to have commencement speakers and, and they'll be a keynote speaker and someone, and, and you know, I went, I wanted to be there for Jake and, and we were there and we were listening and I went into that, that Ceremony. It was near the end of the year, so it was in December. And I went in thinking, okay, you know, it's good, it's good, I'm sure I'll hear something. And the, you know, the, the, uh, but I wasn't expecting what I got. I was just, I had been thinking a lot though about the year that had been and 
what did God want to say to me about the year that was coming this year? So I had that kind of working in my heart already. So I sat down, and after the, some of the excitement of it, they were in the stands with everybody both sides, and this, the, the, the school president, Dr. Corey, walks up, and you know, he starts sharing and things like that. And the students were all there listening, getting ready. They're excited. And he introduces the, the commencement speaker. Um, he's a 75-year-old bishop, Charles Blake, from the um, you know, historic uh, denomination, African-American denomination, Church of God in Christ. He's a bishop. And this 75-year-old Dr. Blake walks up there and he, he starts to share the message. And I'm listening and he starts talking about Paul. Well, his, his title on it, on it was interesting. It was Strategies for the Spectacular Life, which got my attention, right? I, oh, okay, Strategies for the Spectacular He starts talking about Paul. And he gets to this place where he starts saying he's, he was all in. And I'm listening, and then uh, about 20 minutes in, a little past, you know when you're listening to something, someone's talking about the Lord, and something hits, and you feel it? And the reason I knew it hit me is because I was just listening, and all of a sudden I started really listening, and all of a sudden I could feel like water in this, these eyes. <laughs> And I said, hey, I was just here to watch Jake graduate. What's going on? You know? But as he was talking, he said something. And it probably was where I was, just where I was, which is often how it works. The word comes, and depending on where we are, hits us like an arrow. And it breaks into places. And we're not always at the same place in life. So the word is never, it's not static. So you have two things that are not static. You have the word of God, which is ever moving. And then you have our lives, which are ever moving. And when the, there are these times where they hit, and it just goes, the word goes in. And so I'm sitting there listening. He's talking about Paul. He's talking about his commitment. He's talking about how people, even with even crazy people sometimes, or evil people have commitments. And, the, and when you're all in, you're all in. And he's talking. And he goes, you know what? He says, it reminded me of a time when I was a boy. And he said, and so here's a 75-year-old man walking back in time. He says, that was a, he goes, I remember a moment in my childhood. He says, I was on a playground with my boyhood friend. We weren't like close friends, but we used to wrestle and fight and play fight and shadow box. And he says, but then he says something started changing. He said, and one day he said stood out to him and he remembered it vividly. He said there was a day when my friend, who used to always play, we used to play fight, he stopped playing and he actually started fighting for real. And I quote him, I was, he stopped playing and I started fighting. I was still playing and he was fighting. I was playing. And a few painful blows let me know that I'm gonna stay in the same yard with this guy. I'm either gonna have to fight or I'm gonna have to run. And then he said, and then it hit me, again, just where I was, thinking about things. He says, if you're playing when your enemy is fighting, you pro <laughs> he will probably succeed and you will probably be defeated. Now he was talking not about, he was talking about spiritual seriousness.
are there some things we're playing at that we should be fighting? There's a time to be serious with things. Are we playing when we should be fighting? It's no play fight in this Christian life. It's a serious thing. We'll get eaten alive if we don't take it seriously or try to do something in our own strength or alone. I say those, listen, what I just said. There are some things that are too serious and too hard to dislodge. They're too real. They're too powerful. If we try to do it in our own strength, we won't make it. We need his grace. And there are other things we're going to need other. And a lot of times, what did I, we've said, his grace gets mediated through others. Hence the value of relationship. We talk about the value of groups, not just to get people into groups, but because out of those groups come the context of spiritual friendship. Out of spiritual friendship comes the capacity for trust. We drop our guards. We can be real. We get better. We can be honest. We can, we can pray for one another. We can strengthen one another. We can move forward together. We, can, we don't have to be ashamed. We can be, we can be helped and help the other. Two better than one, threefold cord, not easily broken. Jesus never sent them out alone, always together, always. Lastly, get unstuck, get serious. And this is the third one, and I'll just leave it with this. It won't be as long, but I, want to, I think this is important. As we think about refocusing, commit to the important and the essential. There's a great quote from a writer who wrote a book that I've, he, he's dead now, but he wrote a book that when he wrote it was extremely powerful and it continues to be a classic. It's called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. And he said this, just, okay, just take this out. Anything less than a conscious commitment to the important is an unconscious commitment to the unimportant. What does this underscore? Just let that linger. This underscores the importance of focus, right? And the tendency that we have to drift into the unimportant. The only way to prevent the drift to the unimportant is to intentionally commit ourselves to the important. In other words, the natural drift, if we just kind of go through life, is to drift to the unimportant. It, we have to be intent, and that's the unconscious. It would, and here's the thing. If we don't consciously decide in tangible, practical ways, even if it's small ways, to commit ourselves to things that connect with the important, we will naturally drift unconsciously into the unimportant. That's where it goes. That, the garden grows weeds. Not, not, it doesn't tend itself. That's how it works. And if you think about it, the way of Jesus is the same exact way. I mean, there's no but, nobody. That's what we talk about. The things like, you know, think about your devotional life. Think about, think about are we engaged in any kind of community? Think about are we serving together? Think about, you know, the, this. Well, we talk about those things because that's the kind of thing that helps us commit ourselves towards the important. Because the tendency is not just to all of a sudden become strong. The tendency is to actually drift. That's why Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these other things will fall into place. But to do that, that requires effort. That requires intentionality. Jesus, of course, he is the great role model of focus. He modeled ultimate focus, and he beckons us to follow in his way, in his steps. I'll leave us with this. Some of us are going through some things. I was talking to someone, and I'll just leave it here. They said, tell me what was happening. I said, well, you're going through it. I said, but I heard a phrase. Maybe it's good for you. I said, if you're going to go through it, you might as well grow through it.
If you're going to go through it, might as well grow through it. We get to choose. We get to choose. Let's pray. Lord, I want to ask you. I want to ask you to help us to all move forward. And I want to pray that you would just be amazingly patient with us and love us. I ask that we would not be like that person in James who sees something, hears something, hears even maybe in these minutes something that you're tugging at, something that you're kind of asking us to adjust, some small thing, maybe, maybe some point of engagement, some different type of thing that we've been doing, that we've been thinking about, but now maybe we need to actually follow through on our good intention, whatever it is, Lord, a position we're supposed to take in terms of just an attitude shift, whatever it is, and then we need to share that out. You know, Lord, don't let us be like that person who sees something and walks away and forgets what it was and just kind of like loses it. Help us to be a people who respond, who follow in your way. Yours is a good way, and we get to choose. We get to choose. Are we going to go your way? Just by saying yes, Lord, opens up all kinds of possibilities. So I pray that you keep our hearts soft. Keep us humble. Blessed are the poor in spirit. You know, you move. We come humbly. I ask for your blessing, your goodness, your grace over our time of giving, over our closing song, which is our benediction, our good word. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.